I think we've all used it with our children a time or two. When will you start acting your age? We'll take a look at that question and the answer from a spiritual perspective. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Spiritual growth and maturity. It's something as Christians we all need to take a look at on a serious note. More often than not, we find ourselves in churches that are just barely getting us by. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Series is called It's Time to Grow Up. Today's message, when will you start acting your age? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Here now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today, once again, Pastor Phil Howard. Write down somewhere, put on your hand if you don't have paper, how long you've been a professing Christian. Now, if you don't know, you, you, you could settle that today. But, and we're not talking about dates. I knew the day, the hour. About how long have you been a Christian? Okay, you, are you writing that down? Okay, write that down. How many of you have been saved uh, three months? Okay, yeah, three months, good. Anybody here saved over, uh, let's see, uh, three years? Okay. Uh, anybody here saved over uh, 20 years? Oh, man, we got them all over the place. We got apostles. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, anybody here saved? This can't be. Nobody here has been saved 40 years. Good night. Look at this place. I mean, anybody saved 50 years? Anybody saved 60 years? Now, if we were to dress you today according to your spiritual maturity, how would we dress you? Would you be in diapers? Would you have a bottle? Or would you be a strong Christian? I don't see anybody. Yeah, that was for my 70th. I had my picture taken. Did you know that many churches are nothing? Pastors are voted into a nursery ward. People so old in God, you have to part their whiskers to give them a bottle. They've been saved for other, forever, and you're the fourth preacher they had, so don't unpack too quick. Because we know how to get rid of preachers. Do you know the books of the Bible? Do you know what Romans teaches? Don't ask me that, but I won't miss one congregational vote because I love to vote. Do you ever vote God's mind? What's God's mind? I vote my mind. Uh, and the church is full of uh, spiritual babies who've been saved 10 years. 
20 years. And uh, why? What's going on? And so when do you grow up? How long do you need to be saved to uh, grow up with mature behavior, mature habits, whatever that looks like? And uh, look at Corinthians, and he says something uh, that's interesting. He starts explaining the cross as foolishness to those that are perishing in chapter 1. To those being saved, it's the power and the wisdom of God. So the same message, two responses. The Jews want signs. The Greek says, uh, this isn't sophisticated enough. This doesn't match Socrates or Aristotle and the, uh, the Acropolis. Uh, and yet those being saved, it's the smartest thing God ever did. It's greater than creation that he would find and pay for man's sins on a cross and save. It's the greatest thing in the world. The Jews said, hey, he didn't do enough signs. We would have bought him as Messiah, but he just didn't do enough signs. Do a few more miracles, we'll consider. That's why if you get hooked on God having to do a lot of miracles, guess what? It's a sign of weak faith, not strong faith. Some folks that always have to have God prove himself so they've never grown up. They've never learned to just take God at his word. So he goes on and he begins to tell you chapter 2 that God has revealed himself in spiritual words. He's talked to us what you can't figure out with your eyes and your ears. Uh, not talking about heaven. He says God has revealed to us what God's revealed in his word. But then he says, uh, let me tell you three different responses people have to his word. Verse 14, chapter 2, look at that. Everybody look at that verse with me, okay? Let's see what it says. I'm using an ESV, so here we go. The natural person does not welcome the things of the Spirit of God. Just, just doesn't embrace them. For they are folly to him. Now watch this. And he is not able. He's totally incapacitated. He is not able to understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. Apart from the ministry of the Spirit of God in them, just as facts, just as ink and paper, just a document, they don't get it. There's a veil. They, they have a natural uh, distaste for it. They don't get it. Uh, it's okay. It's literature. Let's read a few psalms. They don't get the message of the cross especially. The natural man, he just doesn't get it. Take this over. If we preach this to the philosophy department of Cal Berkeley, do you think they'd vote me in? I don't know if you would. As weak as the amens. It's, it's foolish. Bunch of rubbish. You can't build empires on a crucified Messiah. You can't build anything getting killed. It's nonsense. And so... Paul's audience, he knows him. But then he says, there's a second kind of person. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges or discerns all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. I think he can judge the truth, but others can't figure him out, okay? Then it says, 
For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But notice now, listen, but we have the mind of Christ. Who is the we? Believers, right? Okay, now there's two opinions about what the mind of Christ is. Let me give you two views, then I'll give you my view, which is the right view right now. Uh, one is we subjectively, in regeneration, when God saved you uh, in the spirit or however you'd want to say it, we got the mind of Christ. That it's just part of the new birth DNA, as it were. And so subjectively, I have the mind of Christ. That's one view. If you follow the flow of chapter 2, he's talking about God has given us revelation. God has revealed things to us that the Jews couldn't figure out, the Greeks couldn't figure out. He has revealed himself in words, 2.13. So as I understand it, the mind of God has been revealed in words taught by the Spirit, and they've been written down so that right there is the mind of Christ. Right there. I've got God's breath. And I've got his mind, what he thinks has been written down for me in words taught by the Spirit. And I have the mind of Christ in that I have his mind revealed in words and written down. Now, subjective stuff come up when someone says, I have the mind of Christ, and he's led me to tell you to give me your car. (laughs) And I do have the mind of Christ, you know. No, 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 no. You have covetousness. And you're looking for gullibility. And in Jesus' name, get behind me, Satan. Here's the mind of Christ. So as someone says, I've got the mind of Christ on it. Well, what is it? I don't know. Uh, uh, Got any chapter and verse? What's the Bible got to do with it? I've got it. No, you've got a disease. You don't have his mind. The mind of Christ has been revealed in words, and we have it, and the spiritual discern those words. Isn't that wonderful? Now he deals with the third category, verse 1 of chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you. Wait, wait. I who? Who's he talking to? Joe's pool hall? Who are the brothers? He wasn't into Huey Newton and Berkeley and, hey, bro, bro. No, no, no. The New Testament uses bro of the regenerate. Born again, folks. We say bro a lot, you know, but no, Paul doesn't use it that way. Brothers, born again people, people with the Spirit in you, people that Christ died and purchased and regenerated and sealed and put his spirit in you and blessed you with all these spirits. You brothers, beloved of the Lord, watch, I wanted to talk to you as spiritual people. Well, how else do you talk to Christians? Like brothers, like people who have the spirit, right? 
You folks aren't thinking that hard. I want some antiphonal feedback. No end of feedback. I know you're guilty. Church is a good place to be guilty. You ought to come face to face with God. He wants to remove that guilt, but he also reveals it, doesn't he? I couldn't address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Hey, wait, wait. I, I'm, you Corinthians, I can't talk to you as people of the Spirit. You, you've been saved long enough. I led you to the Lord, but I can't talk to you about the mind of Christ. I can't talk spiritual things to you. You don't get it. You, you, you just don't get it. He goes on. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Now, what's he talking about? Just maturation. Nothing more beautiful than a baby and a, a nursing mother. It, it's normal. It's natural. It works. It gives them their start for life. Gives them immunity. Nothing like it. I think of our granddaughter. She was born a little underweight, jaundiced, and all like that. Uh, my daughter's been nursing her for six months. We've got to get her on Weight Watchers. I mean... This girl is laying it on. Mother's milk is doing the job. Beautiful. We get the pictures. We get this, and we hear the baby, and we, we get the blow-by-blow, five-day-a-week report on how Annalise is doing. And mother's milk and nursing, is, there's not a more beautiful, intimate scene among human beings. But if Annalise was 18... Something's wrong. Something's got to change. You see, at its time, Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I acted like a child, but when I became an adult, I put away childish things. That's the idea. And so he said, I I fed you with milk, not solid food. By the way, milk is a food that somebody else digested. Yeah, that cow eats all that grass, and the cow does the work, you get the product of their digestion. Sounds gross, but it's true. Mama does the digestion, right? She has to watch what she's eating when she's nursing. She does the digesting. She does the work and produces a product that the child takes in, but they couldn't break down the vegetables, the meat, the potatoes, the milkshakes, the sundaes, the potato chips, the, you know, the healthy stuff. Uh, no, the, mama does that work. And the baby gets the product. Now, Paul says, I gave you digested food. I gave you doctrine that godly teachers, gifts to the church taught you. And that stage, it was normal, it was fitting. But you're not even ready yet for solid food, for you are still of the flesh. Wow. Now, when it says of the flesh, he made a list of what the flesh acts like in Galatians, and it's all sin. Sexual immorality, drunkenness, uh, rivalry, 11 personal, uh, mad, jealousy, envy, 
strife. I mean, the flesh is never endorsed as something good. You see, we're not under the power of the flesh. Uh, it doesn't reign over us, but it remains in us. And it's there to lurch on us. And it has got a hold of these Corinthians some way. I, I mean, they're saved people, calls them brothers. Uh, I fed you. You're old enough in God that we ought to be going on. But instead, you, you, you can't move on. You, you're reverting. You're back here. Matter of fact, the flesh characterizes your behavior more than the fruit of the Spirit. Does your Bible say this? What's the Bible got to do with it, huh? Do with it, do with it, do with it. We need Tina to record this. Well, he said, give me some proof. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, well, you don't know any churches that have been in church fights, do you? Churches don't fight. No, they don't. It's just their members. And they love to vote. Oh, they love, because they're democratic. Vote on everything. And do you think they vote with the Bible? Or do they just vote their opinion? What's the Bible got to do with it? Years ago, we used to always be in constitution revisions. One day I told the board, I don't need any more constitution. I'm trying to get somebody to do the Bible. Don't write any more bylaws for me. He's trying to get somebody to obey this constitution. You want a constitution? You got the New Testament. There's the New Testament constitution. I can't stand that. I make an order. Robert's Rules and Order is inspired. Oh, <laughs> rubbish. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human or acting like you've never been regenerate? Uh, let's uh, say a few things here. Uh, last week we said information with application brings what? Brings transformation. Truth without obedience leaves you immature. James said, why are you hearers only and not doers? You're like a man that sees his dirty face in the mirror, but he goes on by. He never washes his face. He never cleans up. He just said, I look good. And he's off. And so he said, information that many of you, I've seen people who claim lots of information. They know more about the book of Revelation than anybody else in here. And they still haven't been transformed. Truth without application leaves you immature. And you keep giving yourself credit. I need more knowledge, more knowledge. You haven't done the knowledge you've got. Obedience, a little bit of obedience is worth a ton more than a whole lot of knowledge. Now, if your obedience keeps up with knowledge, Peter said, I want you to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. A good way we'll know you're having spiritual growth, you'll become more gracious. When Jesus came, what did he bring? Truth and grace. Moses brought the law. Jesus brought truth with grace. Well, let's walk through here. Let's get with it. Information without application. Number one, 
Truth practiced over time produces maturity. But it's truth that's practiced. It's not, hmm, I know a lot. Well, I'm an Arminian. Well, you can't even spell it. Which Armin is? I'm a, I'm a five-pointer. Whoa, shoot. You probably, you don't have any point. What do you, like I said, a lot of these guys use PowerPoint. They have neither power nor a point. Well, we got PowerPoint today. We got some points. Uh, just debating all kinds of stupid stuff. But you don't know how to show compassion. You're not gracious. And you don't build up the body. So please be quiet. Information without application is worthless. And the world just disdains us for it. They call us hypocrites. You don't do what you know. Right? Right. Two, living by the flesh versus the spirit will leave you immature. If you're still depending and acting out from fleshly influence, you you just won't grow. Let me give you a description of believers that don't grow, how Paul describes them. If we could, we would look at Hebrews that compares there that I wanted to tell you more about Melchizedek, but you become dull of hearing. Uh, I need to feed you milk, not meat. You've been saved long enough that you should have become teachers, but you need to be taught all over again. For the one who goes to meat is one who's had his spiritual uh, faculties exercise, practice, uh, so that he can make discerning decisions between good and bad. And the word bad there is worthless. He can make sound judgment. He's, he's applying truth to life. And he makes sound judgment. But those who are just on the milk, they don't make any judgment. They don't know how. They're just takers. They're just takers. But he said that mature believer, they can apply the word. You know, we got people in this church I hear consult Ouija boards. Uh, I hear we got people in this church that uh, their life goes on a horoscope. Uh, what are we consulting witches and witchcraft? I hear the prophets say, will not a people consult their God? What am I doing consulting witches and voodoo and devil worship? We got people when they're in stress, stay at the happy hour too long. And when they leave, they're not happy. They're just drunk. And dangerous. Uh, we got people taking anger management courses. They, they, they're still angry all the time. Can't get over it. We run into it all the time. We got guys that have to have a hit on pornography every day just to keep the marriage enriched. You know, looking at naked women helps your marriage. Ask your wife about that. Yeah, they're in the church. They're in the church. And what's going on? Why, why are they reverting to this stuff? That's fleshly. An unsaved man would do that. I thought we had the Holy Spirit. I thought we had the words of God. I thought we had all the help we needed to live the Christian life. Do, do we have enough help? Well, to be sure, God has called us to live out what He has put in us to be doers of the Word. Our series is called It's Time to Grow Up, and this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. 
We thank you for spending time with us today, and we'll leave you with our address and phone number in the event you would like to contact us. In fact, we would ask you to take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can do so. Simply call us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Another way to reach out to us would be to stop by our website and drop us an email, valleybible.org. Now, we do have a lot of other resource materials available there, as well as a lot of information about who we are and what we believe. You'll find it all again at valleybible.org. And then finally, if you'd really like to let us know how the program is encouraging you, the best way would be to do so in person. Our service times here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules are at 9 and 11. Directions can be found on our website, valleybible.org, or by simply calling 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. For a copy of today's program, simply mention today's date. We'll send a copy out to you just for asking. If you would like the entire five-CD set that today's program was taken from, for a donation of $10 or more, we'll send it your way. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest, 855-833-9864. We do trust we'll hear from you soon and look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.